money. Say something, or was it just a way to make more money? They call it. We, we didn't bring you here to ask questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're all co-hosts. That is very distracting. Okay, you hear it now? You hear it now? Okay, I'm not crazy. Welcome to Cadillacs and Dinosaurs again. We are very excited to be here. This is going to be heavily edited, so don't worry about anything you say. I can just cut everything out. Like this. This part's not going to be It's going to be like a CIA document. It's going to be heavily redacted. Heavily. It's not going to make any sense. Welcome to Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Get closer to the mic. Oh, you can't hear it there? Oh. I mean, I don't have... It's going to be better if you're, like, <laughs> yeah. within oh, 12 okay. inches. Yeah. All right. Otherwise, you're going to sound off if we're all leaning forward and you're not. Welcome to Cadillacs and... Yeah, that you're right. That is a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> this is a special episode, could be, because this is our no. first... This is no. our first guest. We have... But let me introduce everyone. We, as usual, we have Zach. Hi. Hey. <laughs> hey, how's it going? We have Grace in here. Howdy. And today we have Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How's Hello. It hey. And the reason I asked you to come is because you're one of the only people I know with a degree. So thanks for coming. <laughs> I thought you were going to say one of the only people I know willing to talk to us. That as well. <laughs> Making Not what I expect. Legally yeah. the smartest person we know. <laughs> By <laughs> law. <laughs> You realize it's only a two-year degree. <laughs> better than, wow. I have, that's a lot. That's two years better dedication than go, I've ever went Yeah, through. not to go down a whole rabbit hole. I also have a two-year degree, but uh, here's, a, here's a quick story about me. This I, is the redacted part. This is the, we're going <laughs> to redact it. I have a two-year degree in automotive technology. Right? I went to college, and for the first year of the class, it's all book work. Second year of the class, it's all shop work. You get to apply it. So I was like, okay, cool. The day before the semester, the first semester of college is supposed to start, the teacher dies. What? Okay, so they go to the guy who teaches the second year, which is the shop class year, and goes, hey, man, bad news. Uh, you know, Bob's dead. You're going to have to teach both things. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And they're like, well, y you have to or we're going to fire you, right? So he was like, fine, fine, I'll do it. And it, it, this was him teaching the book stuff. He's like, did you guys read the stuff in the book? Great, go out in the shop. Like, we didn't have to do any of it. So, also, they gave me a two-year degree in one year because the guy died. So, uh, hey, nice. I, I lucked out on that one. I love the American education system. It seems to be functioning excellently. Oh, we're firing 100% in the Lake Superior Community College that I went to. Oh, yeah. It was, the, it was over there in Minnesota. The biggest of the lakes. The, it is It is superior. I mean, they don't call it that for nothing. Because we don't, haven't done a lot of stuff on the mind or, or the, the mind or imagination or, or dreams or just general stuff that people are, care about, like... Help. That's overselling it. <laughs> like, how big is this episode? <laughs> is this a twenty-five-hour-long episode? We'll have some stuff to get off his chest. We're going to talk about dreams. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about everything. Life, life, death, and everything in between. Why don't you just say the name of the episode? The name of what we're the subject we're talking about today is the placebo effect. Mm -hmm. So, it's not so much the placebo itself. Because that kind of doesn't really matter. I'm sure we. Well, you can wrap that up a in like bit. in a sentence to what the placebo effect is. But the that amazing thing is the, me, the, the mechanics of how it works. Right. I was yeah interested more in that as well. And I went through the, the four W's because that's where I start. What it is. The who, what, where, when. 
Yeah. Okay. When, where, why, oh, and who. So there's five W's then. Who, what, We're not talking where, about the why. When, where, why, and how. Oh, right. But we always forget about why at the end of the vowel set, and we always forget about <laughs> right. how. Exactly. Why. Okay, let's start real, like, 10,000-foot view. Right. So did anyone happen to find out where the term placebo effect comes from, what that word actually means? No, but I would no. love to know. So it's it comes from long ago, like most things do. Placebo is uh, Greek or Latin for seems well, I believe. Okay. I should probably have... I'm, I'm going off of just what I read yesterday because I was like, oh. And it came into... The, the, it came into phraseology when they first started doing the first clinical trials back in like the 1800s because they would, by happenstance, realize that uh, people were like, oh, I accidentally gave them the wrong medicine and, and it still yeah. worked. And they're like, well, that ain't nothing. Huh. I have a specific example of that. Go ahead. I'm in 1799, this guy, John Haygarth, he demonstrated the placebo effect because... There was these things called Perkins tractors, which are basically mm. two rods or metal implements that this guy Perkins made, and he advertised that they drew out pain or infection or disease. Is like a dowsing rod? Kind of like a dowsing oh, rod. Imagine yeah. someone Lots of people just rubbing just you thought... with a bowling pin, essentially is what <laughs> exactly. these things were. <laughs> I, looked up, I looked that up, too. He claimed that they were unusual metals is why they could work. Okay, so he points them at him, someone, and, oh, you're getting better. And then this guy, John Haygarth, he proved that by using wooden implements instead of exotic metals like Perkins used, the effect was exactly the same. Either no improvement or slight improvement. And so he hit on something where he was like, oh, if the thing that claims to work is exactly like the fake then there's something in the middle that doesn't make sense. If like, you can replace it and get the same results, yeah. then clearly it's not the thing. It's the something else. Not now, only, morally, did he turn around and go, I've disproved this thing, now we should all be better for it? Or did he just start making them out of wood and going, and mine works better? <laughs> well, the thing with John Hagar is like he was an actual doctor. Like He was kind of invested in inoculation and prevention. So he was kind of obsessed. With, like He prevented people who had fevers from associating with people who didn't and he found like there was marked health improvements where the people who didn't associate with ones who had fever so he he was generally interested in people's well-being so he wasn't just like he wasn't a total like, charlatan he yeah. wasn't he wasn't selling snake oil exactly like he, he had good intentions as far as i can tell so i mean that was 1799 when that was happening that's a long time ago i mean but that's keep in mind too this is the days where the dentist was also the town doctor, blacksmith, and everything else in between. I always thought that was interesting. Because he owned the only pair of pliers. He owned the only pair of pliers <laughs> in town. Because <laughs> that was an exotic method. <laughs> I came across an interesting just kind of line of thought that from a doctor, like a quote, that said, the placebo effect is a way for your brain to tell your body what it needs to do to feel better. Hence, you consciously know taking pills of some variety are going to make you feel better. So it's like your brain is telling your, your subconscious, like, hey, I'm going to take these pills and it's going to work. And then your body goes, oh, okay, I'm expecting it to work, so it must work. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought that was real interesting because, uh, you know, they, uh, the whole placebo effect thing is all about the brain-body connection, right? I had something on that. Yeah, well, Go ahead. as someone who's had trouble with my brain connecting to my body before, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. one of the things you do, one of the few things that you can consciously do 
to connect your mind and your body is breathing exercises. Most people don't realize what you're doing. It's just like, oh, it's calming. But the reason it's calming is because your body is freaking out because your mind is racing and your body is doing something different and it feels disconnected and then hence this like mm. nausea or, or just disconnected, upset feeling that you get, anxiety, all these things. It's your brain saying something's wrong. Your body's saying, I don't know what's wrong. I'm fine. And then things go haywire, right? And by doing a breathing exercise, what you're doing is if your heart's racing but you manually breathe slow, your heart's going to follow what your mind is telling it. So it's like, oh, I'm we're breathing slow, oh, that must mean we can calm down now. So you're manually taking over what would normally be an automatic process because normally you're not thinking about breathing, right? It's the same thing with the placebo effect. You're manually telling your brain, I'm taking these pills or I'm using this metal rod and it's going to make me feel better. And your body goes, oh, okay, if you say so. That's interesting. That's like if your long list of symptoms that you're feeling because of your ailment includes something as wide general as headache or upset stomach or diarrhea, which applies to almost every sickness you could possibly have. If you knock one or three of those out, you will be feeling better Yeah. on, a, on your, I'm not feeling well scale. You've now gone down three clicks, even though you might not have touched anything that has to do with the actual ailment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and from, the, the placebo effect works in a very specific way because, like, aside from some very extreme cases, you're not going to get rid of cancer, right? You're not going to have a tumor shrink to nothing. So it's not an, a cure-all, end-all, but it will remove all the symptoms. So, like, if you're nauseous and sick or hurting from the tumor and you take a medicine or a placebo, you will be alleviated from those things. So... there's a very specific function and that's you know that's what they've always been trying to figure out is how is it that your brain is overriding basically your pain receptors manually because again keep in mind it's just neurons and electron or electrical connections essentially it's you're taking control of the switchboard going uh nope i don't want to feel that pain and you're which normally your conscious mind isn't able to do but your Mm. subconscious is it's just doesn't relate the signal yeah i had something on that specifically that's I got this article from NLM. It's a national institute. It's a government. It's a government website. It collected a lot of different studies, and then it kind of went through sort of an outline in a lot of different ways about the placebo effect. And it was one of those points was disease and illness don't necessarily coexist together. Mm, I like disease. That obviously affect our human body it's physical there's physical paths disease takes however illness i'm going to read this directly because it was so good disease can occur without illness when they are asymptomatic conversely people can suffer from illness without any diagnosable disease Mm. the the pathophysiology of diseases produces characteristic symptoms which are often experienced as illness. Commonly, for a sick person, illness and disease cohabitate in a dynamic and not necessarily stable relationship. Do those words make sense to any of you? So, yes. that's, that's <laughs> really fascinating. Exclusive. You can have one without the other is basically the fancy ways yeah, that they're saying. You're, that's going right hand in hand with what I was thinking is a fascinating point of what Zach was saying, is that just because... 
Well, it goes both ways, basically. Your brain's not perfect at telling you something's wrong either. Or identifying what's wrong. Yeah. It's just, like a dummy light in, yeah. on the dash. It's just blinking, saying something's wrong. Your symptom may be just... A, it's your brain taking the best guess at what might be wrong with you. In the same way that you can turn... With, with the placebo, you can turn that symptom on and off. You're basically telling the brain... Uh, you're not right with that. Yeah. That it, guess yeah. was not correct. Yeah, and it's it makes me think of how the exact opposite of a placebo effect is WebMD. <laughs> <laughs> it tells you something's wrong with you and then you develop the symptoms. Yes, that's <laughs> absolutely... I that. that's, I'm dying! That's I, the complete right. flip side of the coin, too, yeah. is you can placebo effect yourself Convince into yourself. Mm-hmm. a symptom by going, oh, my foot kind of hurts. And then you go, oh, my foot has been hurting for a while. Has it really been? Or did you just realize that and now you're thinking about your foot a lot? Yeah, exactly. Or the hypochondriac that is always sick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're finding reasons yeah. to be sick. Yeah, and but with that, that doesn't mean that you're not sick. Right. That you're, you're, the hypochondriac is causing you to mm. be sick, right? Be- like Because of stress. Yeah. Because of stress. It's creating the sickness, not... It, it's a chicken and egg situation, I realize, but yeah. it's it's... The mind will follow what you know the eyes believe kind of thing and it's very spectrumed too it's like there's not really an on off yes no you do or you don't have a symptom of this it's like so maybe you've got some gastrointestinal issue a real infection some one person may be like i didn't even notice anything was wrong until i started peeing blood Mm -hmm. and (laughs) or there might be somebody who the first day that it's happening going "Mm, i know something's wrong yeah something's off and 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 everywhere in between Mm -hmm. so i guess that's the real battle of modern medicine is that you're trying to figure out what the person is really experiencing versus what they is the uncomfortable thing that's causing them to go to the doctor. Well, right. you, you their just their perception. Of their perception, exactly. Per- perception is our reality. That's exactly what I was trying to talk about before. Was the I agree. The one of the things I forgot to kind of say at the beginning was if you're sick, go to the doctor. This is not an episode about what we think we know. We don't know anything. So if you're sick, go to the doctor. We're not doctors, but one of us is a certified uh, engineer. So if you have a bridge problem... (laughs) Two years of experience (laughs) in schooling. This episode is all speculation. So there you go. It's it's us uh, being fascinated by the mechanics of symptom versus actual ailment versus actual disease. But if you want to be part of a free trial... (laughs) <laughs> we are unlicensed pharmacists. Uh, We're starting a new... So you, you, you said another thing that uh, as a point I wanted to talk about that I thought was very interesting. As they do these trials to try and understand the placebo effect itself. Because for a long time, placebo effect is just part of a medical trial. As a You got your control, which is they give them nothing. You have the, the actual medicine, and then you have the placebo. So it's just part of it, right? It wasn't until they started seeing... A lot of uh, results in the placebo file uh, category of people where they're like, we need to actually understand the placebo itself. So they started testing people and they would literally give them a bottle of pills that said placebo on it. And they found that even if they knew it was a placebo, it would still have the same effect. So it's not so much even about tricking yourself into thinking that you're taking the medicine. It's what they found is it's the ritual. The which, action of which it. I think is intensely interesting because that goes along with a lot of other. I mean, think as a human species, we love ritual, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. whether it's religious or 
some other thing of like whether you're in the middle of the jungle or your your daily ritual of going to Starbucks, right? Like we're we're intensely pattern driven and ritual driven to the point that our brains will just go along with the ritual. Hence, if I stop and I take a pill at every day at nine o'clock, and even if all of a sudden I went from taking an aspirin every day to taking a Flintstone vitamin every day, it's still going to have the same effect because of the ritual that your body is anticipating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I read an article recently from the New York Times. This guy was studying two rats that he got, named them after himself, the smarter one, and he <laughs> caught it to. They taught them to take photos of themselves, selfies, by pressing a button, and they get rewarded with sugar. But they wouldn't always get rewarded with sugar, and so they would still press the button, thinking that there's hope for sugar. Mm. And and then like there was no reward, and they would still press the button. And it was related to another study with people in a room with their thoughts. They had an option to shock themselves with electricity, like cause pain. And they found that they would rather experience pain than to experience their own thoughts. Mm. And nothing else. To distract really? themselves from the, the voice in their own head. I've heard that I would definitely was. choose getting shocked. I agree with that study. <laughs> that is funny because I do feel like I would press the button even if it said you're going to get... Shock, not. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess. How shocked is it? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that. <laughs> well, let's of... find out. <laughs> Get the jumper cables. But yeah, I think um, to to all of that point, I think that is the most fascinating part of of the placebo world is that even if your conscious brain knows it, your unconscious brain can still take the ritual of you doing something um, under the guise of this is right for you. Yeah. And, and turn it into a positive, whether that positive is, like we said earlier, lessening one of your symptoms, and, and maybe it's not curing the tumor, but it's, it's curing your nausea. And I think a lot of people going through an experience like that would say, yes, take care of my nausea. Yeah. Like the tumor is a two-year-long battle, and I'm okay with that. I just need but to I make just it don't want to be, Yes, I yeah. don't want to be nauseous yeah. right this second. Hey, Zach, it, did they mention whether or not the the patients could have thought that maybe they were being tricked that placebo was the real medication and that people could have thought that like, no, it, no, like a double blind yeah like back and forth but either. like yeah. tell them it's a placebo and then actually give them the medicine yeah, yeah. no it was just they, like, again they were testing the placebo effect itself so they were telling them this is a placebo and then they wanted to see what would happen like because they were trying to identify where the mind and body connection starts and ends right right does it does it end when you know it, so with consciousness, or does it end with once the pill doesn't do anything? Mm. So uh, uh, to go along with the ritual thought, uh, just from the same thing I was reading, it says engaging in the ritual of health, healthy living, eating right, exercising, yoga, quality time, meditating, all also exhibit are, exhi- are exhibiting the same thing as that you see with the placebo effect. So essentially... Okay doing things that addresses the body-mind connection, yoga, you know, you're doing a physical thing and controlling your breathing and stuff like that, healthy eating, you're considering what you're putting in your body and you're stopping eating, making a conscious decision to do it instead of just blindly, you know, going about your day. The, the, the action of the ritual of being mindful yeah. is what's benefiting you. Not the actual yoga, not the actual food you're eating, the mindfulness of it. Mm. So again, it's your mind con- connecting your conscious mind to your subconscious mind, mm. 
and saying, let's work together, and all of a sudden you, you're, you're, the benefit is like healthier. Counteracting denial. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm experiencing that right this very second. I'm a person, I'm 31 years old, and I'm a person who has never in my entire life had an exercise routine. Mm-hmm. Ever. I just I got lucky that I am pretty healthy. But recently, I started going to the gym to swim because I really just thought, okay, it's time. I need to figure this out. And do something. Do, I need to be doing something. And the ritual of getting myself out of bed, going to the gym, getting in the water, swimming, yes, I really enjoy being in a pool and stretching my body out and elevating my heart rate and getting in the sauna. All of those things are rewards. But I'm finding that I am generally feeling a lot better about myself more so than the actual small amount of exercise I'm doing. Yeah. It's very minimal cardio. Yeah. And it's not like heavy But the weight ritual training. of stopping and realizing I'm doing something healthy for myself is giving you health. Absolutely, right? yes. And that's what, I, I mean, like, if you really step back and think about it, like, we have gone in the last you know 200 years again i like to have the perspective of time because it's really easy to just get laser focused on the moment but we have made our lives i often think of the uh the the dream of the the future as seen by the 1940s and 50s world fair right the whole point of those world fairs were to be like the future is full of possibility and technology and their vision was this technology is going to set man free we are going to you know they had just experienced the industrial revolution they were seeing the wonder of just basic what we would consider a basic machine i mean think about they went from a very basic system of farming with a plow and you know we're not talking like a horse and one plow or anything i mean they had some level of efficiency to it but they had a whole to mechanize that farming process with a thrasher now that could do what a hundred horses could with one guy running the thing wow what a big upgrade that was right so when they're saying but we could apply this technology to every part of our lives. Think of how much more time we'll have. Like they're like, we're going to be able to break free from the bonds of constant labor just to get the basic things we need. Right. Mm. Fast forward. What have we done with all that time that technology's created? We jam more stuff into it. More. We're, we're still working a forty-hour mm. work week. We still right. are getting heart attacks and dying because we're stressing ourselves out and all this stuff, and all of that because. W- we're disconnected and it's made us disconnected we right? thought it would be better we thought it would be better and and then we, we and shot ourselves in the foot by <laughs> yeah. going well i have all this free time what could i do i could do more work like yeah. what why why did we do more that? more more right so that that makes me think even deeper about what you first brought up the reverse placebo effect. exactly are We've we done reverse this. placebo affecting ourselves by wow. filling our time now with with looking at your phone, and and looking for something to like be a little bit funny. I'm like yeah. just begging Instagram is, to show me something funny. Yeah. But it's it's disconnecting us from our back in the day, right? Like you're so much more aware. Uh, the body mind connection was was there, right? I feel like the farther back you go, the stronger that connection is. Mm-hmm. The more aware people were. I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on that. But to to compare that to now where it's like we're at the other extreme we are yeah. completely disconnected to the point that we are confused about how our own bodies work because yeah. we're so disconnected from our the mind-body connection right and that's what i think that the placebo effect would probably work completely differently if you did the placebo testing 500 years ago mm-hmm. right like people were just more in tune with their bodies because they didn't have so many distractions right like yeah. a, a simple simple like thought experiment right like 
throw away your TV, throw away your phone, throw away all the books, newspapers, right? Imagine, like, just that small mental image, all of a sudden, you're going to feel two things. Well, you feel, feel, feel them for a second, and then tell me if I'm wrong. Your, your world feels much smaller, right? Yeah. And calmer. Yeah. Because all those things are static, and that static is disconnecting us, I, I believe, anyways. So all of a sudden, you get this you get these emotional connections back because you're closer to the people that you're close to. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, like, think about how hard it is for us to get together, right? Physically. We love each other. We yeah. love being around. We have so much fun. But gosh, how hard is it to get us all in the same room? Almost impossible. Almost mm -hmm. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> this wow. weird thing happened when I got rid of, uh, like, my TV broke. And then I remembered someone from my past. It yeah. was almost, <laughs> it was almost, I'm not kidding you, it was almost instant. That's it was pretty deep. It was That's what, as soon as you turn the static off, it's that the stuff's still there, right? Like, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because we were having a problem with our internet, and it was like, oh, we're over our hundred, we're we're over the hundred percent mark, and we're going to get charged double and triple. And I'm like, <laughs> shut it off. Yeah, turn just it off. shut it off. I just literally unplugged the the modem, and we shut everything off. And guess what? Everything was fine. You're still fine. Everything was just <laughs> yeah. fine. And we filled the time with other things. All of a sudden, washing the dishes was like not like an enjoyable thing, but I was like. Normally, I just would sit there and watch TV, and the dishes would pile up. And then as soon as I did, I'm like, I guess I'll do the dishes. And it wasn't like some painful task that had to be done because I wasn't, like, distracted. It was just like my mind was clear. I'm like, oh, I need to do that thing, and then I'll go fold some laundry, and I'll do that. And that filled my time doing useful things. Mm -hmm. And then those things didn't build up and stress me out, yeah. and all of a sudden, the stress level goes down. So uh, we've designed this world around us with all these things that are supposed to save us time and energy. And what do they do? They overwhelm us and... They're not generally helpful. Yeah. Before we go down the deep technological, how it's killing us uh, <laughs> rabbit hole, which we could easily go down that one, and we likely will on many, many more podcasts. Yeah. I had an interesting uh, thought uh, experiment for you guys that you just brought up, and it hit my brain. Mm -hmm. You said 500 years ago, if you were to give somebody the, the placebo test, what would the results be? Let's unpack that for a second. Let's say 500 years ago, the idea of taking a white sugar pill has not even been, not only not thought of, there's no industry around it. There's no medical industry where somebody hands you a pill and goes, take this, it'll make you feel a little bit better. I mean, they have Now hand it. somebody a pill. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. go, and they go, is this a pebble? Yeah. There is, it, <laughs> is this a rock? And you go, no, if you take that, it'll make you feel better. Swallow it. Drink some water and swallow it. You're saying 500 years ago, if you would have gave them a pill, they wouldn't have known what yes. it was. Yeah. And how much explaining can you do to a modern, you know, middle-aged human being like a child, you could teach them what a pill would do to them. Mm -hmm. And then, actually, it's hard to teach a child what a pill will do to them until they realize that it's they feel it they within their own candy. body. As a parent, I'll tell you, they just think it's candy. <laughs> yeah, and then later in your adult life, maybe you're 20 years old, you go, oh, I took a pill and I actually, an hour later, felt better. Mm -hmm. You start to realize that body connection. But, so say 500 years ago, you hand somebody a pill and they have no concept of what it is. Mm, now does the placebo effect apply right you know what their ailment is because you understand modern medicine right they have let's say they're having an allergic reaction and you have a benadryl you have a pink pill <laughs> and you hand it to them and go this will make you feel better well it's still well, so it's almost well like a benadryl we know does work and has a pretty quick effect and we all know what the effect but, is yeah. but, but as a placebo yeah but as a placebo it could uh it, Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and that, yeah. It's, it's a, a would it's it a good, still apply? It's a good experiment. Or is it all of our combined knowledge of medicine that would tell us that you can fix a problem? Yeah, yeah. There'd be much more mm. doubt about the situation 500 years ago mm -hmm. than now. 
they wouldn't even understand the concept of taking something. Yeah, I mean, that they would understand. The ailment, they had right? medicine. It was mostly like you know, shaman based. Well, yeah, you they understood like the concept of based. getting maybe five hundred years ago is not the right number, but I'm saying like in a time before Western medicine. Yeah, well, that oh, I was I was going to touch on that too. Like I would, all the stuff I read was about Western medicine. I feel like the idea of of you, the mind body connection is stronger in a lot of Eastern religions and Eastern practices practices that like you know you think of like acupuncture herbal medicine stuff like they're encouraging you to connect mind and body like that's where Mm. things like yoga and all that stuff like they're they're using because like over in india like yoga they'll use that for medicine they'll Mm. be like oh if this or that you know if you're having problems breathing here's three poses to try right and they're doing that like to to connect with so i mean i feel like this might be a, a more specifically western uh mental situation yes it's almost like we're putting things that are actual healing practices or tools under the umbrella of placebo out of ignorance. Yeah, like oh it it's it's a yeah, it's it's like this other Just trick of the mind that it because uh, it wasn't produced by a pharmaceutical yeah, company. Right? Pfizer didn't make it. And Pfizer didn't make it so it's a mystery. I ran into that as well. There was a mention of that in the article that a while ago Western medicine kinda of made a choice. But at first, they didn't really know what science was, and then when science got more popular or better used, then they were like, oh, the medical profession is more science-based instead of more mind-body connection, being mindful, being healed from other ways. But the path that modern medicine has taken has been more science-based and more results-driven as far as the human body is a machine. Yeah, they this don't address the here. mind. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole problem that they have with the whole mental health crisis is you're physically fine, so stop complaining. Yeah, and that it's been happening for many years, perhaps hundreds of years. But the interesting thing I found as well was that the placebo effect, the research bore out that the placebo effect was a result as well from the context of the situation. The thing mm. that you take... Maybe inconsequential. They're still studying that, whatever. But you, the relationship between you and perhaps your doctor or or psychiatrist. Oh, if you you go more. to the psychiatrist. You spend forty five minutes there. It had a result. But that's a ritual too. The amount of time you spend with the practitioner affected the results of the placebo effect. <laughs> I think that's probably that's why they say you need to shop around for the right therapist. Right yeah. therapist, and honestly, you're spending time. You're being more mindful of what your ailments are, your pain, your depression, perhaps, you know, nausea. It brought up nausea in my research as well, I mean, which I, is odd to me. That I, I mean, you guys know I had a, a pretty massive health problem. One of yeah. the biggest issues I had was I had intense nausea, and it for no apparent reason. In you know, after like nine no months, physical, of, no physical, no physical reason. They can, I mean, they they had no they. You know, not to go too far down the rabbit hole on that, but I mean, like, it went from I feel nauseous all the time to I'm getting spinal taps because I think I might have bacterial meningitis because they cannot find anything wrong with wow. me. And I'm, I mean, luckily they none of them were like really telling me like, oh, you're you're making it up or anything. They were willing. Every time I said I still feel nauseous, they're like, okay, we'll do more tests. You know, yeah. it did get to the point where there was an awkward conversation with one doctor where they literally sat at the end of my bed while I was in the neurology ward going. Are you depressed? And at the time, I was very offended by that. 
I thought, oh, so you're thinking I'm making this up, right? And this is the this is again probably the reverse w, or WebMD scenario of like, how dare you imply? But in reality, I was suffering from severe anxiety and I didn't even know it. And that would have been the most helpful thing in the world if I would have stopped and actually let them talk to me about it. But my own prejudice, like I was completely closed off to acknowledging that something was wrong with my mind. You know, I was fully invested in the body part of it. And, yeah. You know, and I didn't get better until I started doing a lot of different things that addressed the mind-body connection. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, almost as if the verbiage was wrong. When they said, are you depressed? You immediately went to, yeah, I'm depressed. I'm laying in a hospital bed thinking yeah, I'm like, going to die. Yeah, this current like, moment I'm depressed. It almost seems, um, uh, what's the word, like... I'm defense, like, you would automatically... Yeah, yeah, yeah you put the, and defense, that's what I did, yeah. yeah. The defenses go up, and I'm like, no, I'm fine. You know, but that's the thing with mental health. It's like, sometimes you don't, you're the last to know. Mm-hmm. It's everyone around you goes, you're a little on edge. You seem yeah. to have a short temper these days. You know, like, what's going on? You're like, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Leave you have a problem. <laughs> I have a funny example. This is kind of a funny little example story. Hilarity. I mean, he was laughter the best medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Drop that one. Cut. Don't cut that out. (laughs) End of episode. (laughs) We're ending on that. Henry Beecher was around in the forties. He was treating. This isn't funny. This part is not funny. <laughs> you kind of, I'll be you kind of led us to believe it was going to be funny, though. This was, joke is not good, though. <laughs> it's bad. He was treating soldiers in World War II. Now, it's not funny, but he was using morphine, and he found that, let me get this right, because it's important for me personally. In fact, Beecher often administered placebos to the soldiers due to the lack of analgesics. I think those are painkillers. Drugs. Drugs. variety. On the battlefield, along with verbal suggestions that they were powerful painkiller. Many of them responded to the placebo. In particular, he noted that an injection of saline solution had 90% of the eff- effectiveness of morphine. Wow. 90%. Have you guys ever taken morphine? How does he quantify that? No. Though? You really yeah, know no, what's happening. Yeah, well, probably just because the guy's got shot with a bullet and all of a sudden he's like, no, I'm anyway, good. I'll because normally anything. if you just said, you got a bullet hole? Okay, I'll be back in an hour. And you come back and you've done nothing. And you go, how's it going? I want to die. You know, but if you gave him a shot of saline and go, how's it going? And they go, pretty good. Yeah. Like, but you don't want them to go into shock because they can die from shock. Yeah. They can. Yes. But they Which weren't. Is, but shock is mental. effective. Shock is mental. Yeah. If you are attacking Except, the mental ailment of yeah. shock. Especially with in a war situation a where you're attack. like, oh my God. But I think what you're talking about is like sepsis. Like, <laughs> they're going to die from blood-borne something or other because they got shot or have a grenade. So now, when they say 90% effective, what, is, what metric is that? I know. And is I that just based on like 90% out of 90 dudes, 90 went, yeah, I feel a little better. I asked no, the same out of 100 dudes. You're thinking know. of like how they do weather where it's like 90% of the rain. Be <laughs> There's problem. rain everywhere. <laughs> Not 90% of rain. But then he, he went back to the... Civilian life, he compared it to civilian hospitals where the placebo effect dropped to 70% of the effectiveness of morphine in pain after surgery. However, the civilian populace is not dealing with huge wounds, losing limbs. They're dealing with, I need to go back to work because I'm a little bit in pain. I understand the metrics are a little bit off, but it also in the other... I would say that the uh, the soldiers are far more desperate for relief. That was part of it. it, Well, that's basically what you're saying, I guess, of like... Those people were desperate for relief because they were in such a dire situation where the the people in the you know civilian hospital down the street is more of an inconvenience to be in pain than a 
Yeah. Oh my god, I might not make it. That is interesting. In the in the throes of war, the desperation to feel a little bit better is hugely mental. I mean, that's what we're learning with the mental crisis of PTSD and yeah, everything that, is yeah. that, yeah, your arm just got blown off shore, but the guy right next to you also is watching your arm get blown yeah, off and is having the same everybody. feeling about it. Yeah, and the stuff that I researched, it specifically was talking about the placebo effect when it, resu- when it referred to pain and depression and arthritis, things like this, back pain. There's other things that placebo effect has no realm with or no association with, so it only has a certain amount, certain place where it exists. And acupuncture was part of what I found too. Both acupuncture that they don't do real acupuncture, where they just like some idiots just poking around nails on purpose, and then they do real acupuncture, and then they do also no treatment. So they compare a lot of different things. So in that study, did you were the results that true acupuncture had a high rate of uh, what's the like I mean success success or yeah or relief. or pain relief well, the versus I, poking around right versus the, nothing the thing I found also which was part of the problem with this whole thing is that the results aren't like black and white like a lot of this stuff is part of what I found was like meta-analysis. I mean, I'm not even sure what that means. It's not a true analysis. It's some sort of analysis after it's more data a collection of data has happened yeah. and you not You're looking at that. like a large group instead of one person's experience. Which like, seems like that might be okay, but then you're far removed from the results. You're not really, I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. And there's also this, like I don't want to move too fast, but the, there's no, there's not even a cohesive theory about the placebo. Effect. Oh yeah, it's still a complete mystery. Like, it is. It, it, if you look at it, because like, like typical science, you 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 present a theory and then you try and prove it or disprove it. The old scientific method. Here's what it's coming to. It's kind of it's hitting a wall for me, in that pain is extremely subjective. Like there's not really a good measurement for how much pain a human being is in, other than the smiley face. List we've Which all seen was where it's created like by s- Pfizer to, versus to sell more oxycontin. <laughs> if you haven't seen that documentary on how that sign was created, which is fascinating, oh, really? but they literally if you go back before oxycontin was created. Like I was just listening you know. to another podcast um, where they're talking about how we still don't fully understand, and we're not even very close to fully understanding how emotions manifest inside of the body like there's not a direct reaction to turning pain or not pain excuse me anger or sadness or regret or remorse on or off it's not one function it's many functions in your brain and it's not even clearly analyzable Mm -hmm. it's like and so i i'm not gonna say pain is an emotion but i am gonna say that a lot of the pain comes from your mind. Well, the, me- the how do you how are we measuring that other than the smiley face? Yeah, yeah you can't take so a blood when, sample and say this person's in thirty percent pain. Basically, exactly. So when you say a placebo is working or it is not working, I mean that Jeff said it that it's a person's perception, but 100%. what is that compared? You know, Chris versus what is your Richie, pain versus you know? my pain? Yeah, for like, the same situation. If you cut both of our fingers off and. You said, exactly. I'm in a six, and I'm like, this is a ten. This is a hard ten for me. <laughs> are you being a baby about it? released when you are experiencing severe pain? So you can't actually... Not pain, stress. 
Cortisol is released when you're experiencing stress. Well, pain is an electrical response. response. And that's why the placebo effect works because it's, like I said, it's like the switchboard operator going, I'm not going to connect that one. because it, And the like brain it. releases painkillers. I forgot the name. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're and, neurotransmitters. So that yeah. is measurable. Yeah. However, other more, like you might say, ethereal versions of pain are harder to measure. Yeah. Like yeah. my emotions. Like emotional my, pain. Yeah, that's like, hard to measure. Like you can feel an intense pain from putting your hand on a stove or you can feel an intense pain because your dog just died right right like those pains are different you can measure probably measure both of those (laughs) now is 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 the placebo effect that we're talking about directly involved with the electrical impulse of pain that it is reducing or is it the symptoms because nausea is not necessarily pain; it's an uncomfortableness, and you're saying I'm reducing my pain. It's hard. It, you know, I guess I'm getting kind of, I'm getting, getting a little, little vague heavy. about I, this. You're getting one. a little vague. Well, I think, I think uh, the placebo effect, however it is manifested in each individual, doesn't really matter in the brain. It's the mechanism that results from that brain activity. How so your brain's dealing with the input. What you mentioned, Zach. With the breathing exercises, just the hope or confidence that you would get better makes you breathe and be more mindful. Mindful, mm-hmm. and that's the mechanism that really reduces the symptoms. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then if you force that by doing those breathing exercises, like if if you are calm, you're breathing generally slowly. Yeah. Right. So if you're not calm and you force yourself to breathe slowly, you're gonna go into manual override, and your body will follow. Right, like your your normally automatic process is, I'm in a lot of stress. My heart rate's gonna go up. I'm gonna breathe fast. But guess what? You can control your breathing. I'm in a terrible situation. My car's slowly sinking into the ocean, but I can't think clearly unless I slow my breathing, because otherwise I will be in a panic and I will die. Like you have the power to do that, but it doesn't have to be in. But like for me, like my body was in that state of panic just waking up in the morning, right? And I had, mm. I'd have to do breathing exercises just to put my pants on you because something was really, really wrong in yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, that was a rough time. I hope it's over. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well me too. We're all in it. Yeah. We're all in the spectrum, you know. Yeah. Okay, I have... Yeah, I life so. is a spectrum of pain. <laughs> <laughs> life is a spectrum. You are just a dynamite one-liner tonight. So I have... I, I briefly had this conversation with Bo because it was honestly so... I don't know. It was so far out there that I couldn't even inside my own skull make it made sense. So I, I invited Bo over and forced him to listen to me about a week ago. <laughs> and I think True. I might have broke broke. Have you ever seen that episode of 30 Rock where Alec Baldwin talks about the mind vice? <laughs> I love that show. Oh I don't well, remember that one. Though. Look it up. It's hilarious. I won't go into it. But anyways, so, you know, we've talked a lot about science stuff. Time or two. Quantum mechanics, physics, that kind of thing. Obviously a, a, a passion for all of us. And so I couldn't help but think about the split light experiment in thinking about all this. I love that one. So, uh, Jeff, are you familiar with the split light experiment in quantum no. physics? Oh, so there's cool. a. We might have to pause and just watch a video on it because I feel like it's it's so much easier when you see the experiment. Listener, please pause this video. <laughs> yeah. and pause Google. here split and light. Google split light experiment because if you've never heard of it, this isn't going to make any sense if you're even vaguely familiar with it. And there's like a two minute Morgan Freeman. Yeah, narrated. Mor- yes, Morgan. Oh. The Morgan Freeman video of talk- with the five. Yep. Yes. So. Most people probably can't wrap their noodle around light and reality 
tied together through space-time mechanics that results in essentially everything's a waveform. Whether you're talking about a wave in the ocean or a sound wave or the way our atoms in our body vibrate and our solid material, it's all a waveform. So that's what that test is essentially breaking down, is the waveform. And, and the way they're doing this is by firing one photon of light through, a, literally imagine a piece of paper with two rectangles cut out of it. Those are the two slits in the slit experiment. Now, by firing that one photon of light, it's going to either go to the left or to the right, left or right, and you do that all day long, right? But what happens is if you're not, if it's not being observed, they have a detector, this is a real experiment, not a thought experiment, they have a detector behind these two slits, and when they fire those photons, one after another, one at a key, I mean, that's the key here, is one at a time, we're not talking about a flashlight shining, I think a lot of times people imagine this and it's a flashlight mm -hmm. shining in there. I know I did when I first heard it. So they're detecting everywhere these photons are hitting. And then if you're no one's observing it, you get a wave pattern. You get five, six, seven rectangles showing up on the back wall, right? And it makes no sense because you can't have ones like bouncing off of each other like you might imagine, like, okay, maybe these photons are hitting and it's making it kind of go over here and doing that. There's one photon going everywhere, right? What that represents is the superposition theory of like everything everywhere all the time hmm. okay so this uh, this one photon of light could possibly hit any of these spots even spots you wouldn't think are possible and it's doing this scientifically they can prove it it's showing up all these spaces but as soon as somebody looks at it as soon as you turn a camera on it as soon as anyone is aware of it the waveform collapses and it only shows up in the two slits as you would expect so what that is showing is that these quantum particles are aware that they are being observed and they collapse into the reality that we are expecting to see all right this is a real repeatable experiment that has been done thousands of times for the last 20 years and most people have never heard of it or understand the concept of what that means listener pause there walk around the room a second <laughs> take a couple sit back down take some deep breaths sorry if i blew your mind but now now factor in the fact that reality is collapsing into existence from a waveform that we are creating almost like the simplest way that and if you've ever heard of the hologram theory this is what that's referencing is just like a video game if you're walking around a video game you're not walking around the whole world you're only seeing what's in the character's field of vision being right? projected in front so that's what essentially this is almost saying reality does in real life for each of us so is the placebo effect a manifestation of the fact that we are creating our own reality by connecting mm. our physical mind with our subconscious mind where this phenomenon occurs that somehow i mean we no one understands this mechanism that does it yet right but it has to do with consciousness because clearly there is some kind of and consciousness is another thing as far as like you so can't that's measure what, it. really what you're getting at is is our projection of consciousness that we are moving through our experience that's on the backside of our eyeballs yeah. is, as we know, different than everybody else's. My green might be your red and we'll never be able to prove it. <laughs> we all have thought that before. How does the placebo effect tie into that and also into the into the spectrum of pain that we're talking about here? Where that's it's, what I'm it's saying. Is that if our perception is our reality, hmm. is this the basically one of the most observable ways of confirming this phenomenon of from a quantum level to a practical level is essentially what I'm saying. Jeff, your thoughts? <laughs> Jeff, go. <laughs> I don't know. 
I see what you're saying. You, but you see what, like, it's hard to even, like, articulate that thought, and I've been saying it inside my own head trying to understand it, because I'm like, these two things have some thread between them. I don't know what it is, but if I just say it enough times out loud, maybe I'll figure it out. Something on the quantum level happening inside our bodies can be affected by our cognitive processes. It's not necessarily or, about the, the quantum you don't superposition. No, what that's represented, that thought experiment is representing that your experience is collapsing in front of your own eyes as, as you're observing it. But that's nope. the thing is it it's it's doing that for sure. But on top of it, it's we're made out of quantum material. Right. Everything's made out of quantum material. So by testing, by doing this test to confine reality essentially to one photon—that's a physical, real thing—and it's operating in this superposition in a very real way. Yeah. That what sure does that mean on a scaled-up version? We're not talking when we go from one photon to an entire person worth of quantum material. Mm. And yeah. then you add consciousness in that we can't, you know, just like pain, you can't measure pain. Well, guys, why you can't measure pain? Because we don't understand how consciousness works. You can't point in the brain and goes, so well, here's a thought experiment for you, Jeff. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but like if you, you close your eyes and you have a thought in your little voice and you're, you know, you're thinking, what am I going to say next? What are these guys talking about? Why am I even here? Right? Like you couldn't... <laughs> Jeff go. <laughs> Jeff goes. Oh my God! Can he read my mind? Is it that? Old? You there's there's no way to tap into that and show it on the screen, right? There's no point in the brain that if we could just stick an electrode in it, we could hear we could we could that. hear you saying that, right? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't exist anywhere besides yeah. in, right. But it's it's there. That's consciousness, right? You does that since it has no physical form. Is it confined to the space between your ears, or can it exist a little oh. bit out here, or out here too, or a thousand miles away, or is this? And again, this goes into uh, if you've ever seen the movie Interstellar, where love can love be felt it. across the universe. Like, <laughs> there's a lot you can go into, and I, I know uh, I often digress into. So that's this, I would but... say the 10 million mile view, <laughs> and it's also questioning like. <laughs> Let's bring it back down. Sorry, guys, but that's that's my commentary. All right, I'm, also, I'm always the ten thousand foot view. Bo's the, the the nose to the grindstone view, and Grayson, you're somewhere, somewhere in between. The uh, that I've always thought since that modern idea has come up about manifestation versus reality. I don't know. It's a good well, question. Come on, it's a good Bo? no. It's a good question. No one, I don't know. We'll ever know. I think that's part of why we talk about it so much. There's a certain amount of manifestation you will never be able to accomplish. Obviously. Here's how I'll tie it in. I think that um, I agree with all of those theories and, and thought experiments is that consciousness is somewhat immeasurable and it's kind of happening. I, you know, I, I picture behind your eyes is you. Everything else around you is what you're experiencing. Now, some people would say that's a brain in a jar thing or we're living in a simulation. I it doesn't matter. You can't, we can't see outside of that. Therefore, we won't know. Right. But talking in terms of how it affects us with the placebo effect, the, the interesting thing to me then is back to what, how do you quantify pain per person back to each other? So in the same way that my green is your red, what are you visually seeing? What are you visually hearing? Well, that's what that's hearing. charts for. We already, we already figured it out. That's, yes. That, that covers all the bases. <laughs> But I Problem mean, solved. there are things that you can do um, in your physical experience to change 
your mental experience, anything mm-hmm. that's happening behind your eyes, pain included, but also many, many other things. Meditation, or you Exercise, eat a banana, yeah, or you eating. or you fall off a cliff, or you punch somebody else in the face and you go to jail. Like there's th- Those are just conscious choices that yeah. you can make. But they're affecting the inner inside your brain in certain different ways. Yeah. So apply that now to to the placebo effect and I've lost it. Bo, go. <laughs> well, the, I never got to the funny thing I wanted to say about... I'm, I don't think we'll ever be able to answer it fully. Okay. That's a great question that you brought up. But the funny thing I was going to say, and this is going to be great. This is going to kill. Oh my gosh, I'm going to laugh so hard. This is like a 25-minute setup <laughs> to a single punch. Back ride. to this. Okay. Beecher, World War II veterans. Yeah, back to... Okay, so Beecher moved on into the 50s and... I'm just going to read this directly because it's going to kill. Although the notion of a pharmacology of placebos was first approached by this one guy, Wolf, the paper by Lasagna, Ladies and Dohan, is one of the most important papers introducing the concept of a, of a pharmacology of placebo. Wasn't that funny? Because <laughs> his lasagna. name's Lasagna! <laughs> is that the punchline? That's the funny <laughs> Ooh, boy. I was worried. That but was they were the trying line. to... They were, <laughs> so was I, I was like, uh-oh. But it's a funny name, isn't it? It's a funny name! <laughs> but they wanted to somehow like, sell a bottle of placebo effect, is what they're saying. Like, how do we yeah. pharmaceutically... Uh, yeah. uh, how do we market this? There are many well, ways to market it. You just can't do it as Big Pharma, because you're the trusted name. You but you can sell snake oil. <laughs> what is that there? What is that? Nootropics. Oh, okay. Oh, we were gonna... Let's talk about nootropics. That's how you monetize placebo effect. Fascinating. Okay. Give it to us, What Jeff. is it? Nootropics are in anything that affects the brain, I think, period. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anything that, oh, affects, anything that the affects the brain. That physically taken or done or... Physically taken. And... Orally? These or ones. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't it be both? Just not, just not at the same time, please. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of backing to this people's experiences but they're anecdotal right how right. do you how do you anecdotal, trust that yes. yeah you go to reddit and you read up on it and people are happy yeah i feel a great improvement taking clarity you know a combination of lion's mane b vitamins tekken alpha grain dihydro oxy flavone caffeine and theanine l-theanine which is you know a known nootropic everyone takes is caffeine. caffeine yeah it affects our brain oh that's a and nootropic mood. yeah oh, that's okay. a nootropic i love that one a consumable that affects the brain yeah is I that think everything's a nootropic someone should then. probably look that up yeah i'll google it. then yeah. yeah everything you eat is nootropic. yeah you get potassium from banana potassium mm-hmm. does something in your body i think probably. but because the brain is so hard to study there are no conclusive i've been taking now chaga cordyceps lion's mane in pretty high doses Every single day for about a year. Well, Zach, I know you have Oh, two. I've been on the, the magic mushroom chain for a long time. Uh, what do you start, think? Because uh, I don't well, really realize Have nothing. you seen me curled up in a ball and crying in the last year? Yeah, but you've been <laughs> doing a lot of other stuff, too. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of other stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that very well could be the placebo effect of, like, that could just be baby powder in that bag. But I read the side of it, and it says it's filled with all the stuff, and... Uh, Being mindful every day. Yeah, I'm what mindful. I, s- I have this. I have the ritual of making it every morning and, you know, doing it. So it's I been... think I said this to somebody else. Maybe it was to you, and I said, "Well, at least it's not hurting nothing." 
Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I mean, the thing. It's like lion's mane every day. I don't think is poisoning whole, our livers. The I whole reason it's... I started taking it was because coffee made me feel sick and shaky and overdosed on caffeine, and that was after like one or one cup, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. I would just get shaky. I stopped taking it, and I started taking. Uh, oh, it's called Daily Dose. This is the one I'm taking now. I've been taking that for like a while. Mud water. Yeah, like mud water stuff, where it's got lion's mane. Like you said, Changa. Are you monetarily affiliated with them? Uh, I'm not, but I would be if they made me an offer. I would literally say yes to anything. Uh, but, but yeah, it's... Uh, I have pure lion's made cordyceps and Chaga that was given to us by a company... Yeah, you got big that, jars of it at your office. ...that we're, we're testing and proving a, a drink well. for them. So I have, like, unadulterated the thick stuff and I'm allowed to put as many spoonfuls as I wanted which I have put lion's mane powdered lion's mane is super expensive you guys seriously in that jar you're lucky no one smashes your window out in Seattle especially yeah. because of all the it's <laughs> around here it takes that five gallon jug of lion's mane it's probably the most valuable thing in your office yeah we've got a it's a, worth more than the computer a gallon of a mixture of the three of them is worth um don't say it well, we're oh not going to give the address of where you live $4,200 oh gosh it was. It's. It's. The strength is the, at the level of you put a milliliter to a twelve ounce serving, so three hundred fifty-five milliliters. So it's one to three fifty-five. Whoa. So do you take it multiple times a day? No, I have this thing where again, I, I've had no routines, no trying to make myself better all the way up until like last year. So what I did was I basically gathered up all of the strange ingredients that people have handed us over the years. People going, hey, I want to make a drink out of that. I want to make a beverage out of that. One of them is like a reishi mushroom that's diluted in alcohol. Another one is a powdered lion's mane. Another one's cordyceps and so basically three percent hemp CBD. I literally take a little dab of each of every one of those that I have, and it's like twelve. I have like twelve additives that I put into. A, a, so tell a me, Gypsy. <laughs> I'm trying to snake oil myself. Yeah, you've sold yourself <laughs> some snake oil. But I, I don't feel any worse. I'm not allergic to any of it. I'm not, like, uh, kind of killing myself on accident. Like, I could see how that could happen. No. That's not happening. But I've been That's doing good. that for about a year now. And in conjunction with going to the gym and swim, I do feel slightly better about myself and slightly good. But it's not like I'm... They're purporting on the Instagram ads that I'm operating on a higher level. Oh, yeah. My you're, brain you're talking about the alpha on. brain by Joe Rogan ads. <laughs> totally. Like, that's what they're if saying. If you drink this, you will clean your entire house in 15 minutes and then do your taxes and Is then it fly with no wings. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's part of what I was, I found as well was that better. You get better. What does that mean? Is it different for any individual? Have you, are you familiar with getting worse? <laughs> it's <laughs> the opposite of that. It means that you weren't good. Yeah. I've got a, you weren't good. Then I've got a thought experiment to put to it then. Am okay. I too smart to be placeboed? Because oh. I know too much about it. Being intelligent does not make you happy. I know that. Oh, necessarily. I'll second that. Necessarily. If <laughs> no, actually, no, I fully agree that uh, ignorance is bliss. If you're aware. Oh, yeah. Way dumber is better. You're not going to necessarily be happier. So exactly. if you're aware of the placebo. Well, you already said it earlier in the thing. If you're aware of the placebo effect, but it'll it's, still work. it's still working. What I was getting at is what what do people think is wrong with them? Um, oh, I God, understand. how much time do you have both? No, I understand. <laughs> like, I, I'm sad or I'm depressed. That's, that's That has a name. But there's other things that don't have names, like I don't know what they would be. Like, I really like what you said there. The thing is, the the there's this one study where this guy said I'm not going to name his name because he's probably listening. 
He said, observe millions of followers. As this guy observes, yeah. As, as this guy <laughs> observes, naming something is the first step toward controlling it. Oh my gosh, that's oh, amazing. So Talk about one liners. If you have oh. no language to identify the problem, it gives it with power. Yourself, it gives it power. Yeah, and you're and then you go to the doctor and you say, I have this thing wrong with me. What, then he's like, then he's gonna ask, What's the thing? What are your symptoms? What do you think it is? Here's what I think I've it been saying, is. I've been trying to articulate that thought for so long of like that that just put same side of the same coin though. You put a name to it and does that manifest it and make it real? It, it makes you you're at not least, in more control, you, but it... At least you know what it is. Well, that's what I feel like... The first time I had that thought was... It's not even knowing what it is, because just knowing the name doesn't mean anything. It, mm-hmm. Well, for but some people, it, it gives them an idea It gives that it they more structure. It. They can yeah. control yeah. it. So think of... Like, the first time I had the thought that goes along with that, I, I was watching a court case, and this person was trying to say that they shouldn't be held responsible because they suffer from X, Y, Z, right? I don't remember what exactly it was, but it was like... Oh, congratulations, you gave it a name. And so now it's like something outside of you that it's not just you choosing to make a bad decision. I did it because I suffer from... And it wasn't like some intense like schizophrenic delusion or something. It's like, you know, some random syndrome. It's like, if let's just say I was a jerk all the time, right? If I was just a total jerk, jerk to everyone syndrome. around me. And it's like, <laughs> it's not my fault. I have jerk syndrome. Does that change the fact that I'm a jerk? No, I'm just a jerk that has a name for the reason I'm being a jerk now. Like, you know, I, this is another rabbit hole, but yeah, I mean, serial killers, they have something usually that had happened to them as a child that pushed them. Maybe they had a, you know, mental illness that was exacerbated by their family upbringing mm-hmm. and it turned them into a serial killer. But at one point, they did have to consciously decide to kill. Yeah, not everybody who's had a messed up childhood so, becomes a serial killer, right. and it's, it's same thing. It's not every serial killer. I mean, obviously, it doesn't help anything, right? Like yeah. I understand that. Like I, you know, I'm a big fan of crime dramas. I think it's some of the best TV. I Ooh, most it's entertaining. Fascinating. But like Ted Bundy is an interesting case because he's one of the most prolific, well-known serial killers, and that guy had the most normal childhood hmm. around. I think it was him. So was that the end of your thought? That, yeah, that was it. I mean. I have a a tiny, another thought experiment based on what you already were talking about. How many people, I'm going to say that it is true. How many people do you think walking around have had one of the ailments that we described, but they've had it their entire life, and so their perception is that they are normal? Yeah. Well, I think that was... Mm -hmm. I mean, like if like, someone's walking around with intense nausea all the time, but that's just their reality and you'd never, they don't mm-hmm. even know I, until you give a name to it, mm-hmm. describe what it is. And then they go, I am feeling that. I have I that have with that. anxiety. I, I feel like something like maybe even like autism, a lot of people would, I mean, up until recently, again, I don't know if it's chicken and egg situation. If a lot of people had autism in the past or if a lot of people have autism now because we gave it a name. Right, like you, yeah. you could have had a lot of people with autism a hundred years ago, and there was that wasn't even a word. No one acknowledged it was a thing. They just either call you simple or some other derogatory thing. And it's like, yeah, maybe some people had it, or is this a fairly new invention? And then now, it's like as soon as you gave it a name, everyone's like, oh yeah, me too. I have that too. And then all of a sudden, oh man, look at how many people have it. I'm not saying that autism isn't a thing. I'm editing clearly, all this out. Yeah. <laughs> it's too, too big contra- to take. Too on. controversial. Too close. Um, yeah. But. Then, does that create a huge wave of people looking for a reason why there's an uptick in 
Well, that's why it's a chicken and egg thing. Did the, did, the, did the giving it a name give it power to make people think they have it, or did people have it and they finally gave it a name? I remember when AD... ADD okay, is a I'm good example of that, that too. ADD was popping off when I was a kid. Like, yeah. oh, I have ADD. I have ADD. I don't really hear that anymore. No, now it's autism. Now everybody's like, like yeah. on the spectrum, you know. I'm like, okay, so where did the AD, ADD go? I don't know. <laughs> I firmly believe that most ADD was just an excuse to figure out how to market more drugs to children. I feel oh, that's another thing I ran into. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at the word itself. Attention deficit disorder. You don't have a good attention span? And you're a child? So, Unbelievable. Yeah. Give that kid you some drugs. You don't like sitting in math class? Hmm. You're a kid and you're full of the... You're a little nino full of the wiggles? <laughs> Do you have any kids, Jeff? No. Okay, well, I'm the only one here with some kids, so I feel like I can... A kid. Uh, I can... I I would say I put my money where my mouth is with how I raise my daughter, uh, be it my how I think vaccines should be administered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, wait, I can't say the V word. <laughs> Not saying my daughter didn't get vaccines. I'm saying that uh, you know uh, standard dose of the RV whatever vaccine that everybody gets when they're kids, along with several others, they usually give them to you all at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's because. Each one of them has about 200 milliliters, milligram, milligram, micrograms, micrograms, 200 micrograms of aluminum oxide in it, which is a preservative because otherwise it's not shelf stable and oh. they have to keep it refrigerated. So they don't want to have to keep stuff refrigerated. So they put this microdose of aluminum in it, right? Well, they know, CDC, you can Google this, look it up. How much of that can you can your body absorb? About 250 milligrams of per pound of body weight, right? So if you give a kid... Permanently for the rest of your life. No, no, no. Per, per pound of body weight, per just like any other food, like you, you know, you can daily. Yeah, yeah. Your your body will process it and expel it as waste, normal, right? Any more than that, your your bloodstream becomes too saturated, can't process it. That's when you get it becoming a problem, and you have, you know, basically the finest veins in your body are the brain vessels, are the oh. blood vessels in your brain. So that's why you get uh, something like mercury. If you get that in your system, you go mad. Your foot doesn't fall off. It doesn't get. It doesn't affect your fingers. It's because the the particles are so very fine, and it gets stuck in the the your brain uh, veins. Oh. Capillaries. The point of that story is is the the known quantity that's allowed, right? In any one of those doses, it does not exceed it. But the problem is, they want you to do it five doses at once when you go and have your kid vaccinated, oh, right? Wow. And I I read. Because I was very concerned, because I'm someone who's very analytical, and I read this, and I read it from multiple sources, and understand fully what it is. So I wasn't against the vaccine. I said, you're not giving all of those to my kid at once. And they're like, well, we don't have to, but it's going to cost you an extra 100 bucks to get them separate. And I go, yeah, okay. So then I brought her in once every six months and got another one, because I give it plenty of time to dissipate. And do. And guess what? I think we would all agree little scooter butts firing on all cylinders right mm-hmm. not to say that other kids aren't i'm not i mean Her brain I, is well i'm not saying that if your kid has got problems it's your fault because you're a poor parent i'm just saying that you can do things to educate yourself and mitigate certain things and so and the powers that be don't always have your best interest no the whole reason they put that in there is be, because they the, the, it comes in a three pack, the three shots, because all kids need it, right? So it's just put, easy for them. It's easier. Yes, it's, it's not even yeah. out of malice. It's out no, of love. It's care. out of. It's they out just, of. They're like, yeah, whatever, it's easier. Go the path of least resistance. Yeah, and it yeah. costs less money to put all three of those in one pack. They save a dollar doing it that way per yeah. unit. Wow. So they put all three of them in one pack, and even though if you take all three of them, you're doing 175 percent of what the CDC recommends for a child to consume. So 
Because it's easy. Because it's easier and because it's cost effective. I don't even know. What was I going down that rabbit hole? I don't know. Edit all that out. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, there is, okay, there is a nugget of interesting, I mean, other than all that uninteresting stuff you were just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's a uh, pertinent, ma- what I, all I was going to say is massive health care will, seems to, will cut corners because they're trying to get health care out to the masses. Yeah. And it, you're trying to save a dollar trying, because a dollar that here equals a $10. a billion dollars at the end of the year. Right. So I guess that's the, the import of learning about um, nootropics or acupuncture or placebo. Of what can you do to help yourself and not involve massive uh, yeah. medical... Uh, yeah, there's big, a lot of things. Not necessarily big pharma. I just mean big medical. Yeah. Because they the are always trying to do exactly what's best for you. They're trying to do what's, I guess, best for the masses. What you works know, good enough that you'll buy it. It's good for the times. goose, good for the gander. Yeah. I mean, like, they don't want you dead. But let's be honest, they don't make money if you're healthy. Can't pay taxes <laughs> if you're dead. Can't pay taxes if you're dead. <laughs> Love it. When you talk about placebo effect in the studies and all that, there's ways to study it with the lab and other ways. Um, but... A few times I ran into this word that when they're doing the test for the placebo with the drug companies, the drug, the study or the drug companies finds the research pesky hmm. because the real drug is exactly the same effect as the they placebo. They want it to be 100% effective and they yeah. want the placebo effect to be like, oh, they took a sugar pill and it didn't work. See, yeah. this is great. Now, That's why they it do worked clinical just as good. trials. Yeah. <laughs> the pesky because they obviously they want to make money. But that's probably all I had on that. I have a just a question, and none of yeah. us probably know the answer. But how much do you think it costs, in a, in its constituent parts, to manufacture a a drug that has a engineered molecule? Like, is it the same for every single one? Like, say you're you're creating Prozac, and I know the the patent for Prozac's been around since the seventies. You're making a pill of Prozac, and you have 12 proteins and you have six potassiums and you're you're making a chemical compound and you're squishing them together because they're not making new elements i mean like that's the thing i feel like people don't understand again i blame the education like how much does a zyrtec cost versus a xanax well that's why they justify the cost of how much the medicine because you're not buying the medicine you're buying the research it took them how many scientists how many years and how much trials and all this stuff to make a drug that works right like no one's going to argue that drugs do something right like it's just that there's other means to get that and the the research costs billions of dollars i mean that that's there's no arguing that yeah, i don't think, I think there's a whole lot of stuff that was simply i mean aside from think of something like penicillin right they they happened across it when they were testing mold samples and they realized this mold will kill other bacteria what if we scale that up right like i don't think most people understand there's only like three or four antibiotics in the whole world and one of the first one we found that changed modern medicine was that mold from a cantaloupe and all of a sudden mm. the the u.s government back in the i don't know when it was i think 40s. it was the, the 40s because it was like world war one that they invented it were like trying to get people from every corner of the world to send them mold samples because they thought well geez if this is how this works and all it is is i mean it's it's literally like a very small war you, when you think about it like these bacteria are being killed by this right and you put them in the same petri dish and the one always wins until you're left with just like 1% of the bacteria that doesn't die. And then pretty soon 
that's the only part that's still alive, and then it produces, and then all of a sudden, it's resistant. This yeah, MRSA. Yeah, and then it kills the, the antibiotic. <laughs> in, in hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, they're cleaning everything, and the only thing that survives is the strongest, and you're great. You just figured out a way to create a super germ. Super drug. I mean, super bug. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's a, that's maybe a topic for the next, next one. Was that the 40s or the 1840s? I guess you'll have to confirm that on your own time. Uh, yeah. Don't listen to everything we say. And to circle back, what was the definition of placebo again? The placebo effect is when a person's physical or mental health appears to improve after taking a placebo or dummy treatment. Placebo is Latin for I will please and refers to treatment that appears real but is designed to have no therapeutic benefit. Okay, so mm. I just want to circle back to the the study you referred to when they were taking a placebo knowingly, mm -hmm. then they weren't taking a placebo because the definition of placebo says it has to be a dummy that is purported to be the actual medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could consider it almost like a reverse double blind because it's a thing that doesn't work and they're telling you it doesn't work as opposed to just giving you something and seeing if it has a There was mixed research on that specific thing. They're called on-label placebos. They, they are a thing. Yeah. People knowingly take the placebo. Yeah, it's like a second okay. control group because you have a, a typical control is somebody who does nothing. Like it's just, I'm going to monitor you for 30 days. I'm going to monitor you for 30 days while you take the sugar pill. I'm going to monitor you for 30 days while you take the... Sudafed, and I'm going to monitor you for 30 days on a bottle that just says placebo. Plus, they know it's happening. Yeah, it's, it's another form of control, basically. Yeah, but I think that's uh, that could be different than the placebo effect. Like, that mm. could be a separate mechanism in like the if they brain. Got, oh, it that's interesting. Be. I see what you're saying. It it's like, be. because yeah. you know, that's not really the placebo effect. Yeah, I, it's not. Although, yes, it is, because if it's proving... If that person's perception of their pain has gone down even while taking it and knowing it's a placebo effect, well, that's where it comes into the, the, the right. that, what they did. <laughs> but keep in mind what they found from doing those studies with the known placebo is that that's where the whole idea of the ritual of being mindful is what they were actually benefiting from. Of like, I'm going to do something, mm -hmm. whether it, it, and that's where it's like you still have this disconnect that you're. It's almost like your brain, your, your conscious and your subconscious speak two different languages, right? It doesn't, yeah. even though you're saying, I'm going to take this, all it's, go, it's going, it looks like we're taking a pill. Okay, I'm saying that. That's okay. I'm on board. I think that means a good thing because, again, like you were saying with the concept of what is a pill yes. and is it a good thing or a bad thing? Like our, you know, our subconscious clearly thinks it's a good thing. Yeah. And that's why when it goes the other way and our subconscious is trying to talk to us, you're having some weird dream about forgetting your underwear while you're driving on the freeway in a bowl of jello. Like, it's like, it's so obvious. Why don't you understand? That reminds me oh. of this really interesting video I watched one time that has nothing to do with placebo, but it does have to do with your conscious brain and your unconscious brain and how they communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And there's that experiment you can do where they, he covers one of his eyes and covers the right eye. And over here, there's a, it's like a, the name of a color or a, a command. It says like, grab the green ball. And over here is a, a red and a green ball. And if you cover your right eye and reach with your left hand or something, you can grab it and go, they, then they ask, well, you don't know what's over here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you, but I get what you're saying. Basically, you're asked to reach for a ball and you go, you pick up the green ball, and they go, why'd you grab that? And you go, it felt like what I should have done. Because 
although you are consciously unaware of what is what it's saying over here you are i guess i you'd have to i'd have to find the video and and rewatch it but it's very interesting it's the communication between your conscious between, and your unconscious well, you've seen you've seen the experiment where they have a little divider that's set up against your shoulder mm. and you put your arm behind the divider so they can't see your arm and they put a fake arm in front of you that you can oh, see yes. and, they smash and then they they carefully at the same simultaneously put a feather on the fake arm and your hand so they cement that brain connection to the fake arm so at some point you feel like that fake arm is yours and then someone comes around the corner and smashes the fake arm with a hammer and then you freak out and you feel pain like yeah. a great amount of pain but that wasn't your arm the phantom without fail phantom a limb. lot of people I'm not sure on the numbers but I'm, I'm assuming almost everyone feels the pain yeah. yeah they actually use that for therapy as well when someone loses a limb during war because oftentimes they have called phantom limb pain that's why it's a phantom limb experiment is They'll, they'll get muscle cramps after their hand's been torn off. Yeah. They don't have a hand, so they can't stretch it. So there's no way to get rid of the muscle cramps. So what they'll do is they'll do exactly what you said. They set up the mirror with the fake arm, and then they massage the fake hand, and they go, wow. oh, finally. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, no, that's a big thing that, like uh, for, for people who had injuries during war, like landmine blows off your leg, and you constantly have a foot cramp. Hmm. What do you do? It, the power of the mind, right? It's the mind and body connection working in the wrong way of like now you're connected to this thing that's not even there you know I saw but this. it's still just as real because your perception's your reality I saw this license plate holder on this car the other day it said alumni on the top like any normal one would then it said mine university mine? and you were like I want to go to that university it was the weirdest university name I'd ever heard like landmine university <laughs> Anyway, How is that, it spelled? That's a total M-I-N-E or M-I-N-D? M-I-N-E. Oh. I looked at it very closely. I was like, You think that what? was like, a, I went to my own university? Maybe, maybe? that's like, what that meant. Like, I'm not going paying money. I'm going to buy Yeah, the phantom limb thing was is super fascinating. Maybe that's we should do an episode saying. on that. Yeah, I'm going to find this video and send it to you guys because it's really, really interesting. I think it actually was one of those things where you, they were neurologically separating your left and your right brain to the mm. point where he couldn't see... Because they can do that. They can, it's, it's basically a stimuli that they put between. There's a there's a name for it. That actual bridge between your left and your right brain. And if you mm. elect uh, electro, I'm gonna look it up. Stimulate it. You can separate that, and you don't die. It's just that your brain is now not able to communicate across that. And they they theorize that that's where schizophrenia actually is existing. Mm-hmm. Is a separation between your right and your left brain, and you can't. Oh, wow. It's not communicating properly across there. Now, when this person was having that done, they blocked between, and same thing, you're basically, the sign over here says, grab the green ball, and over here, there's a green and a red ball, and then he picks it up, and they go, why'd you choose that? And he goes, it felt like the right thing to do. It's called the corpus callosum, the thing that bridges the two parts of the brain, and it says, when people have their corpus callosum surgically removed, for one reason or another, it can lead to disconnection syndrome, where one half of the brain might not know what the other half is doing. Mm. That would be a real unpleasant thing to suffer from. So if you or a loved one has a disconnection from the left-right part of your brain, please email us at Dinosaurs. <laughs> give them a hug for us. At Gmail and give them a hug. Yeah, and some of the research was hindered also by ethical stuff. Like, they don't 
even know if it's right to give someone, to put someone in a study, to tell them there is a placebo or not tell them there is a placebo. So there's a lot of ethical obstacles to overcome with this research that honestly, it didn't sound like they had gotten a hold over. So basically they don't even know if it's right to conduct this research. I feel like the, the way around that is just by paying people. I've been a part of a few <laughs> medical studies where they do a whole lot worse than tell you you took a sugar pill. Yeah. <laughs> what that, you could, say? that could work, different thought, but yeah, have people sign up for the study, they take medicine, they take a placebo, and they have so many people part of the study that by a certain percentage uh, of the people, they do have real medical issues found out later. So it's ethical, like it's unethical by accident. So it's ethical. Well, that's how they do. I mean, okay. that's how a traditional yeah. medical study works is like they need a certain, like let's say you're testing uh, an antidepressant. You have to have people that have depression and then, I mean, you can do it with control again you could have people with no depression people with but you'll your doctor will ask you you know would would you like to take part in the study i mean that's i've, I've been asked that by a doctor before for different medication i'm like you can take this regular medication or if you would like to take part in the study people they are looking for people that are suffering from x y and z so mm -hmm. there's, yeah i mean in that, all the discussions i'm not totally familiar with all of them obviously but yeah i i don't feel like there's a problem in trying to help people but you know there's i don't know Bo, do you know if there's a way to use, like, rats for a placebo study? They said that animals display, can display this effect as well. So that was why, okay. Well, it's referred to as um, pigeon superstition. Really? It's very similar to what you're talking about, almost like a Pavlovian response of, like, you ring the bell and then they're expecting a result and so they mm -hmm. anticipate it by drooling or wagging their tail or whatever i mean that's essentially the same thing on a you're like tricking the brain into feeling something whether or not you give them food or like the thing with the mouse like whether or not it splits out food they still will after a certain amount of times doing it still demonstrate the same level of whatever that they would yeah. by getting the treat or whatever and the, the reason i thought that was interesting is also what i read was that one way or another, we're all conditioned. We've received a lot of ideas from a million different places over the course of our lifetime. There's a certain amount of, you could say, like, classical construction of society that, whether we agree with it or not, we have been subjected oh. to it. So, animals, as far as I know, are completely free of a society. They're driven by instinct. Based yeah. on the but rules they, that we are familiar but with. But there's so, environmental influences. Yeah, there are. And in their little world. Yeah. So we don't... So if they can display a placebo effect within their bodies and minds, you know, that adds another Oh, you're saying level. that that kind of negates the... Yeah. The, the, our maybe our... What, like when you're talking about Western versus Eastern way yeah. of looking at viewing medicine or something. Yeah, they don't... If when faced with the lack of any kind of societal structure and they still exhibit a placebo have you ever heard you, the term so I, I guess that would you'd have to believe that an animal first understands the concept of medicine <laughs> do do dogs <laughs> understand the concept of medicine like you take your dog to the I know bed. they understand treats I mean that's kind of like uh, <laughs> they like treats they like treats so, I guess in a way because a placebo the idea of placebo is one layer deeper than medicine 
it's a concept that exists around the outside of you already have to understand what medicine is you, to understand so, it. because you feel you it's going to be beneficial you have you to understand that if you do you something do you pain. are yeah. helping your body to either feel better or be better so i don't think a, a dog understands that concept house. they'll eat anything just because it's food <laughs> to ingest they'll eat a lot of things that aren't food i'll tell you but they do understand the concept of pain yeah. They always want to remain free of pain. Yeah. And they'll not, yank their foot away, but yeah. that's the most medicine a dog is ever going to do. They'll lick themselves. And again, I'm not like, familiar oh, with all the structure. I'm the, sorry, the, the experiments. But You're not familiar with dog culture? <laughs> I, I read an interesting <laughs> case study. They tried to figure out like dogs eating grass because they thought that that was a dog trying to medicate itself. Like it would settle its stomach and stuff because there are small degrees like that, like a lot of times in primates and stuff, some higher, you know, higher functioning brain power of animals is like that they do take, eat certain things when they exhibit certain things. So it's like they do have some understanding of this will make me feel better. I don't think that when they're doing the placebo effect thing on animals, it's that that's what they're trying to do. Well, but that, well, that would kind of demonstrate or, or explain the placebo effect and what it really is a little bit whether or not it worked for an animal. For example, my dog had anxiety, separation anxiety, and they often get that when they're older. You would scream, bark, you know, claw at the door in the back of his own room, you know, because he wasn't with us. And when he was with us, he was calm. Uh, we could have given him pills like anti-anxiety medication. And if we did a study, we could give him, we could have given him like the medication for let's say 10 days or however, however length of time required to develop a routine, perhaps. Mm. Like maybe the routine itself is useful. The, we're him. back to the... the right? Yeah. And then start giving him a placebo. Like, you should have brought this up earlier. This is totally <laughs> relevant to what you're talking about. Hot topic. Just yeah. thought of it now. I mean, that's, that's excellent. I mean, a personal case study of like, yeah, the ritual applies even can benefit animals. That's interesting. But also... You'd have to quantify the level of actual anxiety your dog is feeling versus when they are taking the anti-anxiety. The amount of scratches on the door. Maybe. Hey, count scratches. It's possible. I guess that's pretty close to correlation to anxiety as far yeah. as I know. Hmm. Maybe we just proved it right there. Just cracked it Nailed wide it. open. <laughs> Nailed it. Dogs can feel the placebo effect. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> it starts with dog. I believe it's pronounced animals. What well, are we at? Bo, two hours on like this thing, Bo? One and a half hours. We Eastern can chop it up and put it in. It's like all placebo from certain people's perception. Oh, you, mm. you realize that's you just a, alienated yeah, half that's of That's a our huge audience. can of worms. <laughs> I would not put that one in. His views do not expressly <laughs> show reflection of Cadillacs and dinosaurs. He's only. Come on. Crushed tiger bones for curing cancer? Oh, oh well, okay. yeah. That... So is tiger bone a nootropic? Is rhino horn a nootropic? Well, Western medicine has that too. There's. Like, you go into a GNC. I remember walking into a GNC, reading the back of some of these bottles of general... Uh, like multivitamins? Multi general multivitamins. One of them I picked up, and I read the back, and it said, Effect. Positive vitality and wellness. And that was it. Mm -hmm. I was like, drink a big glass of water. That's doing the same thing. <laughs> that whole room, yeah. yeah. Increasing your wellness, and then it was like thirty nine ninety five. Of course. How do I get a piece of that action? But they are being sold. The conclusion of this is that we need to start a business. Yeah. <laughs> we need to start selling new tropics. Positive vibes. Mm -hmm. Just sell. I bet if you sold positive vibes in pill form. And <laughs>
I mean, that's all I had. Would you? You wouldn't have to go through the uh, FDA for that. They sell no. a positive vibe pillow for fifty-seven dollars, and I bet I'm. I mean, not not to like get conspiracy theory on you guys, but I bet it's a regular pillow. Mm. <laughs> you don't even have to do anything. Whatever, you could just say that there's positive vibes in there. It's not a magic animal pillow. It's not made of magic. It's animal. not made out of horse feathers. No. <laughs> I'm look. I, actually, I'm looking up uh, right now just to uh, to end the note here. Positive vibe pills, uh, and yes, there are already apparently other people have figured out that dumb people will buy anything. Well, you could sell them at like Urban Outfitters next to the books about. Like, <laughs> you could. There's a self help section. And put it on sale. <laughs> you know it's on sale for sure. Flash oh, that's sale. a good deal. Wow. It's on sale. I gotta buy this. Do you guys get that that those um, subscriber emails? Every month, where it's like thirty percent off sale, and you're like, I think it's just always thirty percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's just what it costs. You could say it's, yeah, it's twenty nine ninety nine, which is like five hundred percent off of like a thousand dollars. So those are made up numbers. No, that's. Don't you know time is a construct? Yeah. Let me tell you a little something about quantum physics. (laughs) Well, first of all, let's go up one million feet into the air. Let me let me just drop some knowledge. Yeah, if you're all the way Jeff, down for at this time. end of the of the podcast level, and if thanks I, for sticking around. You're probably asleep on the couch, <laughs> and you fell asleep halfway through the episode. No, hopefully you learned something through osmosis by sleeping and listening to this. Jeff, thank you so much for thank you for coming. Coming, it was nice to have you're our insight. first guest. So nice you know you'll go down in fame. It was really fun to you know change up the mix a little bit. It's fun to be. I wish we could get all four mics to work because I kind of like. The, the we have dude. to get them working. Yeah, if uh, if you got used to the really awesome audio on the last one, I'm sorry we've immediately Plumped. got plummeted back to where we were before. But hopefully it sounds okay. But thank you for listening to Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, and uh, tune in for the next time because uh, we have a really awesome topic. I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Don't stop thinking about it. <laughs>